Coming up on this edition of the Reenactors Corner podcast. Two years on from those first lockdowns, we hear what you've got to say about the current state of the hobby. Plus, there's news about an exciting giveaway draw that's open to all of our Patreon supporters. Live from Ben's basement, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reenactors Corner podcast. This is Chris here again. And before we get started with our topic for today, I wanted to bring you some exciting news about a promotional giveaway that we're doing. This giveaway was the brainchild of Mike, aka Retro Man, who is the editor of the podcast. He wanted to give something back to the people that have generously supported us on Patreon. So, This giveaway is open to everybody who's a Patreon supporter. If you're already a Patreon supporter, that's great. You're entered for the drawing. If you're not already a Patreon supporter um, and you're listening to this when it comes out, you have uh, almost two weeks to become a Patreon supporter, which you can do for as little as $2 a month. And you will be entered to win a $50 gift card from Kelly's Military. Uh, We'll put a link to the Kelly's Military website in the show notes. Kelly's is a vendor that sells a very wide range of reenactment supplies. The owner, Brian, is a friend of mine and also someone who I've reenacted with in the past. He's got a lot of great stuff for reenacting. I just placed an order with him last week. I order from him frequently, and uh, they have great customer service. They have a great range of items. And I thank him very much for his generous contribution of the $50 gift certificate, which we are going to give away. So again, it's a $50 gift certificate to Kelly's Military, and you can get it just by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $2 a month. And I look forward to announcing on the next episode who the winner is. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm great, Chris. I'm excited about our topic for today because this really comes from the listeners. Uh, We asked you on our social media accounts uh, what you think the state of the hobby is in 2022. Now, this is our first ever state of the hobby episode. Uh, This is something that it never even occurred to me to do it before. I don't think I ever would have done an episode on this topic because For many, many years, reenacting just kind of has been chugging along, doing its thing, events come and go, units come and go, but it's kind of always more or less the same. Uh, But we have had this crazy pandemic two years, and I think a lot of things have changed in that time. And of course, I can only see uh, what's kind of in front of my nose, what's going on in my reenactment groups and the events that I go to. And I kind of just wanted to get a feel from people about what reenactment is like now in their area. Um, The world is a very big place and we have listeners in many parts of the world. And I'm very pleased that a lot of people did chime in from many different places uh, with their own personal perspectives on what the state of the hobby is in 2022. So we are going to kind of read and respond to this listener feedback. Um, I'm going to read the... The longest one that we got, this was an email 
that came into our, our Gmail email address uh, from Anonymous Grenadier. And he writes, I am a California-based hair reenactor who's 21 years old. I started the hobby in the spring of 2019 and have been fairly active in my unit since then. From what I've noticed, World War II reenacting here in California has been in decline over the past few years. When I attended my first event in January 2019, I was impressed by how large the event was. From what I can remember, there were approximately 75 Germans and 150 allies in attendance. It was an epic first event, and I was hooked. I attended nearly every event that year, which all had approximately 100 reenactors. Ever since then, the events have become smaller and smaller. Most events now have less than 60 people in attendance. The big drop happened after COVID hit. There were hardly any events in 2020, which all had very small attendance. 2021 had a few more events than the previous year, but the attendance was still very low. 2022 has had one event so far, and it was still small. From what I've experienced, I think the hobby has been severely affected by COVID. Many of the reenactors in my organization are older, so it's understandable for them to stay away. Another factor in the recent decline is the lack of young people. In my organization, younger reenactors are relatively few, especially in the German units. For many young reenactors, the cost of the gear has been prohibitive. I've seen several younger people stop coming to events due to this. From what I've noticed, most of the younger people are in their last few years of high school, and when they start college, they stop participating due to numerous reasons. Time is an important consideration in the hobby, and younger people, like me, have less of it than older reenactors. We're starting our careers or are invested in furthering our educations. A third factor aiding in the decline of the hobby is the so-called boomer-zoomer conflict. Here in California, it's a very real thing. From what I've noticed, there are two types of units, those being the mostly older reenactor units and the mostly younger reenactor units. Very few units have an even composition of both age groups. The younger reenactors complain about how the older reenactors are out of touch when it comes to kit acquisition. In my experience, many of the older members have not bought kits since the early 2000s and often recommend vendors that do not carry the items anymore or are no longer in business. They also see the older reenactors as physically inactive and that they sit around and drink for most of the event. There's definitely some truth to the Zoomer argument, just as there's some truth to the Boomer argument. I can totally understand the reasoning behind some gatekeeping, as the older reenactors don't want their events overrun by know-it-all kids and memers. There definitely should be a standard for reenactors to follow. Many young people are interested in airsoft and Instagram reenacting. I think this is due to a lack of time and the desire for more physical reenacting. While I do not participate in Instagram reenacting, I can understand why it's attractive to some people. It takes much less time to purchase a half-decent kit and put it on once than uh, to take pictures than commit to a weekend-long event. Regarding the physical aspect, many of the tactical events I've attended start around 10 a.m. and end around 3 p.m. For younger people, this can be extremely irritating, as most of us can run around for the entire day. From my experience, I've noticed that younger people are being drawn to the one-off campaigner immersion events due to their more intense and physical nature, while older people are being drawn to the less physically intense garrison events. This is not absolute, however, as many young people enjoy garrison events and many older people enjoy immersion events. In my opinion, I think the hobby will become more and more divided along age lines. This will only accelerate the decline of the hobby. This needs to be remedied by better inclusion in both camps and more events which have a good balance of physical activity and downtime. 
I love that response. Um, I think it actually speaks to my own experience, the hobby. I started reenacting in high school, and I remember when I went off to university, um, I did not go to a lot of a lot of events for my first couple years in college because, you know, I was focused on other things, and I really wanted to go to events, but. Uh, the ability to transport myself wasn't there at that time. Money was limited, and so yeah, I totally relate to that. Um, and some people they go off to college and they don't come back. And also the divide between younger people and older people. Um, I've seen that. I understand it to a degree. Um, I understand the desire to want to reenact with people your own age group, but I also see the value in the wisdom of older reenactors. So yeah, I think that's a great. Great, great response. I think there's a lot of uh, insight and wisdom in that response. I think that we all have seen this generational schism, or at least uh, I guess I should say I've seen it, you know, the events that I go to, the units that I'm a part of. Yeah. Um, the chatter on Facebook is uh, can be very acrimonious. And yeah. um, the person, the uh, anonymous grenadier mentions instagram reenacting and that he understands why it's attractive to some people i also see this i see people doing this yeah. i understand the appeal um you know it's not it doesn't appeal to me but i can understand why it does appeal to people and um I'm certainly not going to sit here and condemn it, really, because you, you kind of can't fight the future in a way. You know? Yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Don't want to be too much of an old man yells at, yells at cloud, you know? It doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, social media reenacting forms, that's something that is probably here to stay for now yeah. anyway. Yeah. All right. Dustin Belair. So a lot of what I can see in my circle of groups in the Midwest is that it has mostly stayed the same. A lot of units have changed out some leadership or how they operate, but not too severe alt alterations. My unit has been focusing on improving how we portray ourselves and what we do at an event. For an example, we are focusing on what we would be doing in the field, like deploying or clearing minefields, breaching perimeters, etc. I think that sounds great. Yeah, same. Friedrich Walter writes, The sad reality for me is that the hobby has slowly but surely developed in a direction I personally am not a big fan of. I feel the focus on authenticity has been lowered and that it is more important to look stylish on Instagram or other platforms. The pandemic has probably contributed to things becoming the way they are, and it may change in the future when things hopefully go back to the way it was pre-COVID-19. Sadly, there have been local problems with the hobby in my home country, which puts the final nail in the coffin. This has led me to look at events in neighboring countries to meet my needs. I sincerely hope that good reenactors internationally, and especially in my home country, think about how the hobby is today compared to 2019. I think there's value in that. Um, I mean, I can't relate to having to go to or having the wants to go to a different country to reenact, but I definitely see events drying up locally. Um, some of the events that I want to go to might actually be far away where there may have been an event that was big um, years ago that existed in the region, which no longer exists. Chris, I know you can relate to this too. Sure. Yeah. Juan Carlos Dominguez. I have a love-hate relationship with the hobby. Current events, as they are now, and for the last five years or so, have had me on the hate wagon. 
Alas, like a common and hopeless victim of an abusive and codependent relationship, I cannot break free from it, no matter how many times the police get involved or how many interventions I'm subject to. The single worst thing was the cancellation of Fig. Without that event, it's been hard to remain engaged. I mean, I loved Fig, otherwise known as Gap, Fort Indian Town Gap. Um, I only yeah, was for able- people who don't know, it was a it was a huge event that took place on a military base in Pennsylvania with more than a thousand reenactors. Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate thing is that I think that a lot of our listener base, or not a lot of it, but some of it, uh, who are relatively new to the hobby, may never have the chance to go to this event. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was only able to go for a few years. It got canceled in 2018. Um, but, and it's been, oh, geez, four years now. Probably most of our listeners never got an opportunity to attend this event. But for those of us who did and were part of the reenactment scene, especially the like Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, East Coast axis of reenacting in the United States, this event was like absolutely crucial. Yeah, but I mean... It was a real, I mean, there were people coming from the West Coast to this event, you know, like in the final years, there were some friends of ours who were coming from Europe. Um, and it just felt like it was, it just felt like it kept getting better and better and better until it got canceled. And yeah. I mean, in a way, I feel like it may have been inevitable that it got canceled, but it's still sad. It has, um, nothing has filled the void that was left when it when it was canceled. And... Many people have commented to me in recent years that they felt that this event was kind of the linchpin of the hobby as it existed in the past, that it was kind of the glue that um, kept everything together, and that as we move further in time away from it, um, people kind of just get further and further away from each other and from the scene. Yeah, it really connected everybody. I mean, I called it Reenactor Christmas because, I mean, it was... It was like a holiday. It was something to be celebrated. Like, all your friends were there. Um, it was just like this great, fantastic party. There there was everything. There was a flea market. There was a battle. There was like a rear line headquarters thing. There was like this, you know, cafe. It was wonderful. Juan Carlos, who, who made that comment, is a uh, friend of the podcast, and we're going to have him on as a guest hopefully someday. Excellent. Um uh, he has a, a cool perspective that uh, I don't necessarily agree with all of it or how he delivers it, but I definitely relate to a lot of it. And I, I definitely relate to what he's saying here where it's like uh, it actually doesn't really matter how much he hates reenacting. He's still going to do it. Sure. And I, I, I love reenacting. There's aspects of it that drive me crazy, but I'm going to be here uh, forever, basically. Yeah. And it's a win it. Franz Schroeder writes, I'm a fairly new member to the hobby. I've heard others speak of the heydays back in the early 2000s and 90s. Myself, I'm finding the hobby in my area is divided into two groups. The first is guys who buy the basic stuff for as cheap as possible so they can run and gun and don't like following structure or guidelines. These people typically ruin immersion and the overall feeling of the events. I avoid them like the plague as they typically are just walking memes, trying to be as cringy as possible as their main goal. Then there's the very serious group who take things very seriously. Their goal is to immerse themselves as deeply as possible into the hobby and the time and generally spend a ton of time and money on making their impressions spot on and as accurate as possible. Now, I do see there are subgroups within both those major groups, but I feel that the airsoft cringe memer groups are the majority, sadly, and it honestly worries me that this now two-year-old hobby for me might be killed by either a cancerous community or the government itself through laws and bylaws. 
I mean, I don't know if my experience in the hobby strictly mirrors that, but I definitely have met people who fall into those categories. Yeah, um, those categories exist, yeah. you know. Uh, I think there is a, like he said, there's subgroups within the categories, right? Yep. It's a spectrum. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I definitely identify with wanting to be serious. Um, but that said, not everybody who I regard as unserious is like airsofter quality, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Not, not everybody I know who takes themselves seriously have, uh, put a lot of effort into their kit either. Yeah. And there are certainly some people who are totally incapable of taking themselves seriously who have outstanding kits. Yeah. Um, but I, my, what I would say to Franz Schroeder is uh, don't let the community aspect get to you. Fi- you I, I can remember when I had been reenacting for two years, I definitely uh, was kind of more attuned to the people around me and kind of what was going on in the community. But what I eventually came to realize is, is that you could pick and choose and find the people that are like you yeah. and do stuff with them. Yeah, and I mean, I've been lucky enough to find that. Um, I actually, I've, when I was, you know, getting started in the hobby, I left a unit to be with other people who I felt sort of more of a kinship with. Sure. Um, and uh, so I would encourage people to do that because that actually, it was a good decision for me overall. So, yeah. Yeah, like I go to events that have people at the event that, that do stuff that I don't like, and I just stay away from them and hang with my crew. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no obligation. It's a hobby. It's meant to be fun. Find the people who speak to you. And, and if you get enough people together who have a good idea, who, who are sort of have buy-in for an idea, maybe you can form your own thing. Sure. All right. Evan, ja- Evan Jacobs, The State of the Hobby. In this, we are the scar tissue giving birth to new growth, but any growth has good and bad possibilities. Like cool, uh, like like a cool scar or a new cancer. I've recently seen new event sites being built, but also toxic new trends and ignorance. Like some believing a little too much uh, in the people we portray: communist, fascist, racist dichotomy of the United States during World War II. But all in all, isn't that how it's always been? I think it kind of is how it's always been. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I feel like, you know, these subcultures, they're always sort of in this in a state of growing and changing. And uh, yeah. He's right about dangerous trends. This is like not something that's unique to reenacting. But I, in my experience here living in the United States, I think our culture is getting totally polarized and a lot of people are being drawn to extreme views. And I think that centrist positions are kind of disappearing. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, even in my childhood, there was more respect between, you know, the political the political parties and the politi- political extremes. That's kind of going away. It's which side are you on now? Sure. So. And that affects reenacting as well. Yeah, unfortunately and so. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I, I don't know about data about this, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like there are more people with what you would call extreme ideologies now than there were. I think most people would probably agree that there are, you know, more people with extreme ideologies now than there were in the 90s or, yeah. or even 10 years ago. Yeah. Josh Woodring writes, I think the hobby is in a dual state of decline and suspension. From what I've witnessed, the reenacting hobby as a whole is in suspension right now, which I think is good news as I don't believe it's in decline. We're still seeing events being hosted, and we're still seeing reenactors planning unit events such as training weekends and get-togethers. 
Now, the German reenacting hobby is declining. However, I think we're leveling out in that regard. A lot of reenactors have left since the arrival of COVID, which is both good and bad. A lot of the reenactors who've left were guys whose hearts, I believe, just weren't into the hobby to begin with, which has been good as it's kind of separated the good reenactors from the bad in this community. The problem is we aren't generating any new people. I think reenacting units need to seriously evaluate the way they are recruiting people in the current climate. Units need to show potential recruits that this hobby can be done inexpensively, that the money invested in this hobby will be well worth it for the experiences and the education they will receive from it. I guess what I'm trying to say is, if we're to recover in numbers, we need to show people that the benefits outweigh the drawbacks. Um, I I think there's some, some good points there. I like the kind of positive, uh, what we need to do to bring new people into it. I think that's a good idea. My experience with my group is a little bit different. I don't think we lost anybody during COVID in really either of the groups that I'm in. Maybe uh, some people definitely came out fewer, but there were far fewer events. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And we have brought in some new people as well, although it's been really kind of tough trying to bring new people in when I can't tell them when exactly the next reenactment is. Sure. Sure. I would agree with that. And I think that's probably something which is fairly common in other, other areas too, you know? Josh says we're still seeing reenactors planning unit events such as training weekends and get-togethers, which I think is good, and our units have done that. Uh, but, of course, you have to wonder kind of how sustainable this is when you're pitching this hobby to people that this hobby is about reenactments, and then you've got small get-togethers that maybe is more like a hangout in uniform. Yeah, I mean, eventually I think it gets a bit tiresome. It feels like a, like a hangout with extra steps. Like you can take off the, the weird clothes and still hang out with your, your history friends, you know? Totally. Like an event needs to have a bit more, some some planning, some, some oomph to it. So, yeah. John W. Hawkins Sr. It's only in pause mode. Just under the surface, it's making time waiting for a strong recovery, which is only a matter of time. Don't sell any of your stuff. I, I agree with that. Don't sell your stuff. <laughs> I'm not selling my stuff. Yep. And uh, everything, I mean, things go up and down. You know, things go in cycles. And uh, sure. This was a comment that came in on our Instagram account from a Chinese underscore reenactor. He says, I'd say, based on my experience, more and more people become interested in the hobby. Many fellow history enthusiasts who got bored during the lockdown came up with the idea to build a new kit, which is good and bad at the same time. Items are easy to get, and both written and photographic sources are plentiful. This also leads to some problematic people, but from the many new faces, there are and will be some very dedicated people who might be new recruits for some older groups or start their own groups. The lack of events mostly hurt the battles and meeting other reenactors from different age groups, since reenactment groups could organize little training events, at least in Hungary. Yeah, the, he, he also mentions this kind of uh, form of reenacting that has emerged where you can just buy a kit and uh, pose for a picture in your backyard and post, post it on the internet, and that that's a, that's a form of reenacting now. Yeah, Instagram reenacting, it's its a real thing. Uh, I feel like it definitely came from, it definitely evolved from the Living History Show Your Impressions pages on Facebook, and then eventually it just kind of went over to Instagram. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm banned from all those pages. <laughs> I, I I think I need to. I think I need to up my game. I yeah, think I need to banned. be yeah acting more badly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul Frederick, the average reenactor has a lifespan of five years. I have seen more kits for sale in the past year uh, than I did in 2008 during the Great Recession. I wouldn't be surprised if there are less than 1,000 active reenactors in the United States. Paul is a friend. He's been a guest on the program before. Um, I don't know that I could prove to him that there's more than 1,000 active reenactors. Sure. I mean... It's funny because there's no sort of person with a ledger who's keeping track of every reenactor who shows up and who doesn't, you know? I mean, it's there's no sort of historian of reenactors, but it definitely seems to me like there's less big events, you know? There's less big serious events um, than there were maybe in the past. So, yeah. It's, it's interesting because we're... All of these people that we're talking with here, all these people who are responding are World War II reenactors. And in the the Patreon exclusive episode for this month that uh, you and I recorded recently, Ben, uh, I mentioned a a podcast that I listened to that was not about reenacting, but that had an episode that was about reenacting. And it was a guy who was reenacting the Seminole Wars in Florida. And his kind of perspective was, was totally different, but I thought really interesting and and valuable. And one of the things that he mentioned was that reenacting has been for decades now a really mainstream thing in the United States, but it wasn't always this way. And that he knew people who reenacted in the 50s and 60s when reenacting was really a fringe thing. And he was totally unconcerned by any claims about an overall decline in reenacting because his take was. Um, this thing existed as a fringe thing for a long time in the past, and it could exist as a fringe thing in the future, and it's not going to go away. Yeah, I I like that, actually, because it gives a little bit of hope. And just because the hobby's in decline doesn't mean that it's going away. Like, just because numbers are going down doesn't mean that they're going to stop altogether. And so, yeah, I, I like that perspective a lot. It waxes and it wanes. Sure. Craig Wright wrote... Speaking for my pocket of reenacting in Australia, this hobby's on the rise. I've had more members join my group during the whole COVID mess than before when we had more events. I honestly cannot explain why, but over the last two years, the amount of members who are keen to become involved and learn on the German side of things has skyrocketed, with my group having five members join in 18 months versus, say, two during the same time period in pre-COVID times. The allied groups have kind of stagnated, however. So much so, I have allied reenactors looking at jumping ship. Perhaps leadership styles and the fact that my group are very active in regards to training and trying to become as immersive as we can that's drawing people in. Honestly, though, I can't quite put my finger on why so many new members have appeared. It may simply be because reenacting is so small in Australia that it's still experiencing growth, where in other parts of the world it's on pause. Reason is aside, it's been fantastic, however, and this year looks to be a big one for the hobby in my neck of the woods. Well, I think that's great, and I'm really happy for reenactors in Australia. I mean, I personally, I feel like I've seen uh, in, I remember I actually went to a few events in Spain when I was studying abroad, and I definitely got the impression that the hobby was newer there. Um, that maybe, you know, well, reenacting had existed in the United States since the 70s or 80s, that it had only really formed in Spain in like the 2000s or later. And so it's definitely interesting when in a country 
this phenomenon is newer. Uh, same with Norway, too. Like, World War II reenacting in Norway, I think, is a relatively recent phenomenon. So, yeah, I think it's just interesting when a phenomenon gets introduced to a country that it experienced growth. I also, I mean, we've seen locally, like, Western Front reenacting used to be really popular where we live. And now it's it's kind of not. And then for a time, Eastern Front reenacting was on the rise. And now I'm not really even sure what's going on. But, sure. uh, yeah. Uh, Sjord uh, Luzen. Hobby is study restarting. First events planned. I love it. <laughs> Simple, sweet, very good. One of our Patreon supporters, Callum Thompson, wrote, I think that on a global scale, reenactment is still growing. In terms of World War II reenactment, I think that Allied and Soviet impressions are becoming more and more popular and will continue to grow. However, I think the World War II reenactment ecosystem will become lopsided as doing Axis impressions becomes more and more socially unacceptable. Axis impressions will not disappear, of course, but I think it would be reasonable to assume that German, and particularly SS impressions, will become less popular in the next few years. To avoid German reenactors going extinct because of outside pressure, serious work needs to be done to educate the public, not just on the history, but who the reenactors are and what their motivations are in portraying it. And then he goes back and adds, edit. In light of recent events, I doubt Soviet will be growing much in the near future. That's really funny. Um, I, I was going to ask when that comment was submitted. Was it before or after the Russian invasion? Right. Because, yeah, I, you know, I've seen... That shows how fast things can change. Truly, truly, truly. I, I definitely agree with him that SS is particularly unsavory in the eyes of non-reenacting now, non-reenactors now. But that said, I feel like to, to some, even to many, like dressing up as any, like, sort of uniformed person from the Third Reich is unsavory, be it, you know, your Der Lavanger Brigade or a postman, you know? Sure. Yeah. Callum is saying that uh, there needs to be some kind of a, he's proposing the idea of sort of a public outreach program that uh, is not focused only on World War II history, but on what reenactors and reenacting is. And on an idealistic level, I would love sort of to like see that, you know, but on a practical and realistic level, I wonder you're never going to you're never going to convince like the, the Twitter and Reddit mob. Yeah, idealistically, I agree. But unfortunately, I think practically I just see the mob kind of eating people alive. Uh, Mitch Heenan, I've been reenacting in Australia for about 12 years now. And I honestly see no signs the hobby is in decline. I don't know what it is, but I hear so often from reenactors older than me about how the hobby is dying. Uh, it's not like it used to be, etc. But for guys in my age, age bracket, early 30s, the hobby is going full steam ahead. We're getting so many new guys who are keen to learn, and now the COVID restrictions are lifting, everyone is mad to get out and start getting back in the hobby. The current state of the hobby is great. The first events in nearly three years are being planned, and honestly, the enthusiasm is just amazing. Well, I'm really happy for people in Australia. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to hit me up about how to move to Australia, I'm all ears. A longtime uh, Facebook friend and extremely notorious reenactor Nathan Saunders writes, I've been attending reenactment shows in the UK since 1999 or so. A lot of the large-scale, public, military vehicle and reenactment shows have been in decline over the past 15 years or so. 
I think in general, the size and number of shows has declined over the same period. This coincides with the downfall of the supergroup. 15 to 25 years ago, there were a few huge reenactment groups in the UK, such as the Second Battle Group portraying the first SSLAH and Normandy 44 portraying GIs. These supergroups have disappeared in a mass extinction. Like the mass extinctions in our planet's history, what's emerged are smaller species. There are as many groups, in my opinion, as 15 to 25 years ago, but they're smaller and more diverse in their portrayals. In that, each small group hones in on a specific interest, opposed to a large group all portraying the same thing. Like the decline of large public shows, I feel the large tactical-slash-private event has also gone, largely replaced by small tactical events, though very limited in number. Most of the new breed of microgroups tend to frequent the smaller public shows, with most of their events being small private immersion-type gatherings, which are often more akin to photo shoots to provide for a social media presence as opposed to any real reenacting immersion first-person experiences. I fear the purpose of most microgroups has become one of keeping up a social media account with regular small photo shoots, which they duly tag with these little storylines to go with the photos, which are totally made up as the photos were all staged with the intent of producing social media content. I don't think the pandemic has affected the numbers of reenactors. It's just stopped events. Some people will have gotten bored and given up. Some people may have joined. Most have just used the time to talk to each other and to purchase more kit with the excess disposable income the pandemic has provided many. In the UK, I feel there's been a larger uptake of reenactors portraying British soldiers over the past 10 years. Small groups of teenagers have matured and grown groups portraying British troops. There's a bigger interest in portraying British, and not just Normandy 1944. There's been an uptick in the interest surrounding Dunkirk and the Battle of Britain, no doubt supported by anniversaries, new movie releases, and a sense of British identity brought out by Brexit. Overall, I don't think reenacting has shrunk. It's just fragmented into a new picture. Smaller events, smaller groups, diverse portrayals. I think unit-specific research has boomed over the past 10 years or so. People are able to research specific times and places online and have access to so many sources of information. The kit available to the reenactor has also grown over the past 20 years or so. The number of vendors and the accuracy of kit available is tenfold what it was 20 years ago. There are reproductions that one could only dream of 20 years ago in today's market. I like that a lot. I mean, I know a lot of that is specific to the United Kingdom, but I think some of that definitely speaks true to my experience in the United States. Um, Yeah, I feel like I've definitely seen some bigger groups kind of fall apart here in the States. Um, I don't think it was quite so conglomerated as maybe in the UK, but uh, yeah, um, I love everything about that comment. When I got started in reenacting in uh, like 2000, Second Battle Group was like a legend. You know, I knew that they had provided people for Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Those guys were like heroes to me. Yeah. And then to hear that they're not, you know, they're I, I don't know. I mean, if someone from Second Battle Group wants to come on the podcast, I'd love to have you on and pick your brain. They were definitely, I was in the UK in the summer of 2018, and I went to... Oh, God. Hop Farm. Um, Yeah. And uh, there were definitely some guys from that group who were still there as of 2018. But I don't know what their state is in 2022. So there's some comments in that comment about groups that um, do like 
events that they bill as immersion experiences that are maybe geared in some way towards creating social media content. And, uh, you know, I'm not uh, going to lie. I have dabbled in this on a level, you know, I'm not super proud of it necessarily, but there have been aspects of the way that I've promoted my own smaller group that have sort of been a smoke and mirrors thing in a way. Sure. I think, I feel like it's important to admit that we are also guilty of having done this, but that said, I mean, I do feel like there's a certain value to online promotion, but that said, I also feel like the heyday of Facebook promotion has sailed. I feel like it maybe peaked around maybe 2017 I agree um, with you totally. Yeah. Um, I thought at the time that um, that by reenacting for kind of a global audience that in a way I was satisfying almost like an ethical mandate to share what we have learned and what we do and how we do things with the broader community of World War II enthusiasts. Um, I don't really feel that that has the same kind of value anymore. Yeah, the world's changed. I feel like Facebook censorship really kind of wiped away a lot of that, um, which has definitely increased since 2017. These algorithms that can detect, you know, insignia um, and will, you know, take your photos down, flag your account, etc. It's a wild world we live in. I also kind of feel that there's like nothing new under the sun, you know, pictures of people uh, wading through a a frozen river or whatever. They can be uh, dramatic and cool. But once you've seen all of this stuff a bunch of times. I mean, we've done some photos, which I mean, we've created some photos, which I'm quite proud of. But that said, there's other people in the world who've had the same ideas. And you realize that you actually really maybe aren't as clever or smart as you think because you see somebody else on the other side of the world who does the same thing, but maybe it's better. Sure. <laughs> uh, and then also you see like a lot of bad imitation too. And so, yeah. I yeah, there's it. like this like self, I don't know, self-conscious, pretentious, whatever you want to call it, where it's like, oh, wow, yeah, we like, you know, someone, someone made a, a parody, someone who later on joined our group, uh, Peter Mahler, who is one of the zoniest guys I ever reenacted with, um, kind of called us out one time before he even joined our groups. And we were at a reenactment and we were, it was like downtime after the event. And we were just kind of relaxing and uh, drinking with some of the Soviets. And Peter Mahler was there in the Soviet camp. And he's like, he's like, let me guess how you're going to pitch this on Facebook. You're going to write, the water in our canteens was freezing cold and there was damn little of it. And I started laughing, you know, because it's like, well, you got me. You know? <laughs> He's right, though. He's yeah. right. Where's the lie? Right. All right. Reed Laverty. I see the hobby is transitioning. There's a lot more variety in terms of resources and impressions. The larger mainstream units have to compete with these growing niches. And I see that being the biggest divide within the hobby. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I I definitely think that there's more sort of variety in vendors than there were, you know, 10 years ago, for sure. You Not know? just vendors, but impressions. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago, you could kind of choose, okay, I'm going to do German Army, or I'm going to do SS, or I'm going to do GI, leg, infantry, or airborne, or these like broad categories. And now it's like, oh, I think I'm going to do early war. I'm going to do Reichswehr. I'm going to do, uh, you know, 1920. I'm going to do 
potato war, you know, Venezuelan <laughs> beaver combatants, you know, like you could, and, and you could just find somebody else. Maybe they're on the other side of the world, but they're just as interested in whatever weird uh, ethnic faction from whatever 20th century conflict or, that you want to imagine. The and, tyranny of choice. Sure. Yeah, the tyranny of choice. Brian McElmoyle writes, Being in Canada, I have a different perspective as the hobby is somewhat constrained here. Firearm regulations make possession of many of the necessary firearms impossible. No full auto and any short barreled under 18 inches are very highly regulated. A licensing process that takes up to a year to complete before you can legally possess even a bolt action rifle and high costs for firearms. K98s sell for $1,400 here combined to make for a high bar for entry into the hobby. Consequently, a large portion of the community uses airsoft guns, and most of the tactical aspects of events use airsoft guns. Most people who remain in the hobby do get licenses and buy firearms, but again, bolt actions are pretty much all that can be used. There's no Canadian source for blanks, so it's reload your own or import at a cost of about a dollar a round. Also, the only real reenactment scene is in Quebec and Ontario, with scattered individuals throughout the rest of the provinces, but little in the way of events. Certainly, many Canadian reenactors often travel to the USA for events, and many Canadian reenactors are members of US-based units. Obviously, there's been little cross-border travel now for a while. The lack of access to the USA has resulted in some consolidation of the community here, both in the Commonwealth units and in the German units. Surprisingly, most of our units have experienced good growth through the pandemic, with many young people joining. This, of course, pitches the focus of units to training and development of the new recruits. The Canadian World War II scene has seen a lot of ups and downs, with periods of low organization and activity, where participation drops off, and reconstitution and reorganization, where activity and participation grows. We're very much in a reconstitution and reorganization phase right now with the formation of new structures and organizations to foster positive developments in the community. I'm very optimistic about the immediate future of the hobby in Canada. I think things are moving in a very good direction. I think it's a really positive comment and I, I you know, that it fills me with hope for people in Canada and people reenact as the world over. Um, I understand that the firearms thing is difficult and only may continue to get more difficult for, you know, people in, in that country and people in other countries. Um, I mean, hell, I remember here in the States after the NY Safe Act, um, a lot of reenactments, a lot of reenactors became afraid to go to the state of New York because, uh, because of the new laws, uh, the new anti-gun laws. And, uh, I understand that. And so, but also that said, I mean, I know, Actually, it sounds like a Con eight is about double the price in Canada as it is here in the States, but guns are going up here too. Like, I remember when I joined reenacting, one could acquire, and this is in 2012, one could acquire a Russian capture Con eight for under $300. And now, and actually, I think they were sort of poo pooed as being no good. And now a Russian capture Con eight, they're, they're desired, they're sought after, and you might pay seven $800 for such a thing. Sure. Yeah. I've followed uh, Brian McElmoyle's perspective on reenacting on Facebook for a long time. I think he's got a great attitude about it, and I'm glad for him that things are maybe going in a good direction up there. I I would love to go to a a reenactment in Canada someday. That's cool. I would, too.
Dylan Williams, I believe that the over the overall state. I believe that overall, it's kind of stuck in a holding pattern until the pandemic lets out. That being said, I see a worrying trend of World War One events being canceled as interest fades from the centennial. There was a massive uptick in interest around the the hundredth anniversary. And a lot of us thought that these events were going to be here to stay, but they're being canceled one by one. Overall, the state of the hobby is probably fine, and everybody who says otherwise is just bored from having a few two events during the COVID era. Yeah, we had Dylan on the podcast uh, recently. I like his perspective about that. Same, same. Um, I definitely hear what he's saying about how, you know, centennials will captivate interest in uh, in a thing or like uh, a movie comes out and that might cap- captivate interest in a thing like uh, you always hear about a lot of reenactors joining the hobby after Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers came out um, but then I feel like this thing goes through phases like the moon you know yeah he's getting at um, trends in the hobby and those are a thing and always yeah. have been a thing and always will be yeah Sparrow Rollinson writes, State of the hobby is in limbo. On one hand, social media allows us all to connect, plan, and grow together. On the other, that same social media damns 50% of the hobby to be secretive, cover up, or just not exist online due to fears of backlash, if not outright censorship. But if we keep having private tacticals and no public events, the government will continue to think that the groups of white men wearing swastikas running around in the woods with guns are planning to overthrow the government. Considering our half is arguably the most important part, if that isn't something we can fix, it'll hamper us permanently. Without any way to post and celebrate online, many newer generation reenactors simply won't be interested and communications will be cut. Also, if venues continue the trend of banning German impressions or mocking or demonizing the German reenactors, the events will continue to be smaller and smaller, losing their appeal. Also, acquiring guns is getting ridiculously hard to do. I mean, we've already touched on the you know increasing cost of guns and licenses and such. Um, definitely desire to go to public events as a in a in a German or now even like a Soviet kit diminished due to trends in the world. Sparrow is positing that we have to do public events so that people can understand we have to have a public facing thing so that people know that we're not like paramilitary militiamen. And this is an argument that gets made a lot. Mm. And I can see the value in it in, in a sense, but I also you know, this is a personal opinion here. Uh, I just don't think you're going to win. Yeah, I feel like you're trying to change the opinion of people who have already made up your mind that your thing is crazy, unfortunately. And, you know, like I kind of alluded to earlier, someone else's perspective about um, that the hobby is going to be a fringe thing, could, might be a fringe thing going forward, but would still exist. Yeah, yeah. And people who are in it to win it are in it to win it. Yeah. Alan uh, Stripchin. If you had asked me this question one year ago, I would have felt World War II reenacting is in decline. Social media, political correctness, fighting amongst unit members on so many levels. And at a large event I was at in the fall slash summer of 2019, I received my first ever in 25 years of instruction on what to do if an active shooter was at the event. The younger reenactors have changed my opinion from that time. 
There is so much knowledge and motivation amongst those who are involved in the hobby. Although not much recruiting and gun shows, etc. takes place to my knowledge, uh, most that seem to be online or in person somehow is getting it done. Well, that's good. That's really positive. Yeah, I mean, uh, recruiting strategies change. Somehow it gets done. Somehow it gets done. Matt Lambert writes, For my small corner of Florida World War II reenacting, it seems to be more in a modified holding pattern with a slight uptick towards growing. I run a unit here in Florida, and the interest levels among the younger crowd is always pleasing. In fact, it seems we have more 12 to 15-year-olds messaging our page. It's harder to find an established reenactor in their mid to late 20s, so it's encouraging to see kids interested, but the actual recruit pool is limited. Thankfully, the one underage recruit we had brought their dad into the hobby with them. They've become quality reenactors and members of our team. My unit always seems to do more public events than anything else, so the positive reactions to our displays are encouraging. We do wish there was more of a private reenacting scene here that would include some immersive tacticals, but I do think that'll come in time. The biggest hurdle I see to the hobby seems to be ourselves sometimes. Reenactors aren't bothered by eating their own. These store-bought ranks that people give themselves go to their heads. I think working with the opposing side can give a much better show to the crowd. But people confuse that with, oh, they're just trying to take over the hobby and tell us what to do. Nothing can be more detrimental to a public event. We've all seen the cringe public events on YouTube. Coordination would solve a lot of those problems. I definitely, the idea of working with your sort of opposite number, you know, the, you know, if you're portraying German working with Soviet or, uh, or American uh, commanders and units, I think that's really valuable. I think that sort of breeds a good event. If you have a good working relationship and you're friendly with the other side instead of, you know, aloof or even outright antagonistic, that's just better. Um, I I think, Ben, you and I are really lucky to be uh, as connected to the Soviet reenactment scene as we are. Yeah. Because I think the German-Soviet level of cooperation strikes me as being very high. It is here in New England, I would say. Um, And, uh, yeah, I feel like that's been to our overall benefit. And I would encourage people, you know, in other parts of the world to try to, you know, reach out, make overtures, try to forge connections. Although I realize that's that's not always that's not always difficult. Sometimes different people, you know, collect, uh, you know, form up in different groups and then just maybe don't want to willingly mess with the, mesh with the other side. And I totally get that. So, yeah. Michael uh, Ogle. In my opinion, it seems to be on hold depending on where you live and the number slash type of events you attend. I feel Civil War took a bit of a hit a few years ago due to the social-political climate in the country, and I agree World War I events, at least here in the Midwest, have declined a bit since 2018. World War II, I feel, is not up to the level it was at pre-pandemic, and some of the bigger events have shrunk or disappeared altogether. Fig bulge events no more. Large tacticals at the military posts have declined. I have also seen the ranks thin out due to health issues or death of long-term older reenactors. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, again, talks about the gap going away. Damn shame, really. Um, sort of, again, what Dylan Williams said about World War, World War I events thinning out, that 
that seems to ring true with other people's other people's take. He's Pre- talking also about other reenactment events that used to take place on military bases. Yeah. And I did other events at other military bases like Camp Smith in New York, and all of that stuff is all over now. Yeah, I mean, the only other, I think, military base event that I went to was Camp Edwards on the Cape. And I think I went to the last year that they did that, which was in 2013, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's gone now. I mean, if you think about it, the idea of doing reenactment events on a military base is kind of a terrible idea in the modern political climate. Well, it was it was super cool at the time yeah. that we did it. Yeah. You know, now I don't know how how you're going to approach an army base and say, can my can my Nazi platoon parade around here? You know? Yeah, and also, can we like self regulate ourselves? You know, yeah, like yeah. it it's it it's a holdover from a different time in a in, in you know, the history of this country. Tyler Stevens writes, right now, I believe we're at a tipping point slash transitional period. Many of the guys who've been doing this since the early 2000s, which was the era of Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers, are starting to retire from the hobby. The big events and big toy shows that used to take place are slowly fading away for one reason or another, and there hasn't been much to replace them. Then you have the group of reenactors who got in around 2010 and since then, who are starting to put on events, do things differently than the Band of Brothers era, and strive for more authenticity and dedication. Even since I got involved in 09, the amount of resources and knowledge that's become more available for guys to research their impressions is incredible. Not to mention how many more vendors have popped up as well that provide decent quality gear and uniforms. Whereas in the past, sometimes your only option was to purchase original items or invest in reproductions at almost the same price as the original. I don't think the hobby is necessarily declining, but at the same time, we're not growing that much either, at least here in the Midwest. Collectively, on both sides, Axis and Allied, we all need to work together and maintain good relationships to support each other, keep events going, and encourage new ones as well. Sadly, I feel social media has done more harm to the hobby in recent years than help. And I don't recall even 10 years ago the same level of negativity. Just my two cents. I like that take. Um, Something which has been cool for me uh, to see of late in the last two years, which Tyler sort of spoke about, is how you basically... So I am basically... I was born in 1996. I am sort of on the cusp of millennial and Zoomer. And it's actually cool seeing people... uh, seeing people who are my age putting on events now at events that I would consider to be good, um, that I want to go to. Uh, so that's, that's kind of cool to see people who, you know, we've maybe joined the hobby. I joined in 2012. So that's the demographic that Tyler's talking about, like actually shaping the future of reenacting that said, I, I see, I see everything else Tyler's talking about the social media thing. I mean, it's, it's weird. Um, I kind of grew up in social media reenacting. I, I feel like I kind of came at, came of age in the hobby in what I regard to be the heyday of Facebook reenacting. And now I think that's definitely on the back foot. And I don't strictly have regrets about it, but I also realize that it is decidedly artificial. And, you know, you can talk to other people all over the world all you want, but... Uh, you're not necessarily going to see 
big global events on a massive scale. Like I think I had this idea, you know, back maybe five years ago that everybody's talking to each other online and like we're all going to come together like the world over and like do these big international events. And I realized that's maybe a bit of a fanciful notion. Yeah, especially with the restrictions since the pandemic, you know. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Muir Crane. Down in South Florida, we've been lucky. Only two or three events canceled because uh, of the COVID since the beginning. It's all public events down here, and people still came in large numbers. I've seen my share of new people coming into the hobby at the same time. I'm fortunate enough to be located near Second Armor and their tanks and vehicles are always a big draw at the events down here. I'm optimistic on the future of the hobby, and I think things will continue on a good level. Things up and flow in the hobby, but, but they never end. It's been that way since I did my first event in February of 1977 as a 15-year-old kid. That's really cool. <laughs> That's the voice of experience right there. Things <laughs> ebb and flow. Truly, truly. I mean, again, it's like, you know, phases of the moon. Jesse James Jetty writes, With my limited experience, I've seen a lot of two very negative things. One is the old guard perpetuating myths and inaccuracies and harshly criticizing newer guys based on the way we've always done it. At least twice that immediately come to mind, I've been put on the spot for issues, quote-unquote, with my impression that I had both written and photographic evidence to back up. This not only damages our collective credibility, it's discouraging to a new guy who's done his homework. Second, and this seems to be largely an issue with the younger generation, but it's the obsession with private tactical events. I put tactical in quotes because from what I've seen, very few period tactics are actually taught or used. These events seem to largely be a place for reenactors to go and do really cringy stuff, executions, quote-unquote war crimes, needless physical violence and such. Not saying tacticals don't have value if done correctly, but I see them more as an opportunity to hone your skills, both individually and as units, for the public demonstrations. I do see some encouraging things as well. The trend towards more and more authenticity is obviously a great thing, and the availability of quality equipment is also a plus. Eighty years on, it's definitely time to minimize the amount of original items that we subject to the damage that reenacting inevitably causes. As far as general direction of the hobby, I think it's probably only going to get harder. While the level of detail may get better and interest will likely always remain, we can't deny that as society becomes softer and less willing to be confronted with uncomfortable truths, this hobby can have real negative effects on our daily lives, especially if you reenact access. It's not out of the realm of possibility to have your private information leaked or even lose your job because of your participation. That will be a real deterrent to future growth. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen people get doxxed in the last few years, and that's it, it, is, it is really unfortunate. I feel like you have to kind of look behind your back constantly sometimes, which, which really stinks. This person suggests that, um, you know, the reason for changes in perceptions of World War II or World War II reenacting have to do with um, society becoming softer. You know, that, that's one interpretation of it. I, uh, another interpretation of it could be that society is becoming more inclusive or um, more sensitive to previously uh, marginalized groups or whatever. But the thing, my, my take on it is kind of regardless of what you think, the reasons why the greater sociopolitical stuff, I, I kind of leave all that stuff at the door. I do think that 
uh, World War II reenacting is going to get harder. I do. Yeah. You can't fight the power. You know, you can't fight the you can't fight the masses. Um, if 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 the majority of people outside of your outside of your group believe one thing, you're not going to be able to convince them, and being antagonistic is just going to make you look bad. Um, this is might be USA specific. What you know, what we're talking yeah. about now, but um, I don't think that we can talk about reenacting in 2022 without at least acknowledging this social change, social pressure. You know, the moment that we're living in right now here in America in 2022 is not a moment that is like super friendly toward dressing up as a historical villain. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, even people who were doing Soviet who had some degree of sort of safeness now, I feel like there's there's a microscope on them, too, due to events going on in uh, Eastern Europe. Sure. Andy Grimes. My current opinion is that I don't see too many private tactical events anymore. Public events seem to be out there, and I know some reenactors don't like them, but an event is an event. I don't know if it's a lack of organization or there's no venues. It's most likely a mix of both. I enjoy both styles of public and private tactical. We are hoping to find a private area, either on on public or private land, to set up a training event. I thought when the pandemic canceled a lot of events, it did some good as well. I was starting to get burned out on the lack of events, uh, but the lack of events stopped them from happening. Yeah, there. one could make a claim that this kind of reset that we've been faced with, many of us have been faced with on many levels, maybe is good for the hobby. Sure, sure. I mean... Everyone kind of goes their own separate ways, go back, goes back to their corners, thinks about it, and then maybe comes back with a, a better perspective or whatever. I think it's important to acknowledge that this is a hobby. I feel like some people treat reenacting like a job. Um, I feel like some people take it too seriously. I mean... From a personal perspective, you know, for the last few months, I I feel like I've kind of put events on the back burner because I've had stuff in my personal life which uh, have taken precedence. And I know I'm going to come back to the hobby, but you have to take care of yourself as a person outside of this thing that we do for fun. And we do do it for fun. So, yeah. I also, I mean, I also agree with the sentiment that an event is an event. That is a sentiment that I think many of us have had the luxury of not having to share. Yeah. Where we got, there were so many events that we could pick and choose and do the ones that we supported the most. And that might not be how it is right now for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. I an agree. event's an event. An event's an event. Um, the last one I'm going to read here on this episode is from Lee Perry. He says, I'm from Southeast England and have been in the hobby for 20 years now. There are some things that have really changed and some things that have kind of remained the same. Here in the UK, the majority of events are public events, and they vary quite considerably. But I've noticed that the bigger shows are really beginning to struggle. The pandemic didn't help, but I couldn't help but feel there were other factors involved. There are a great deal of public events that are beginning to put pressure on the entry to German units due to a fear of the public, who at times simply see the politics, not necessarily the history. This is particularly true if depicting SS units. This naturally means that there's starting to be a significant lack of Axis units, and this makes shows less dynamic. In the old days, there was quite a nice balance between Allied and Axis, but not so much lately. Naturally, this is not every event, but it's something I've noticed. 
Once some of these larger groups start avoiding events, the mass of equipment, vehicles, and members takes its toll on other groups. Another big change that has made an impact is how much more available things are. eBay was around when I started, but the younger, new reenactors are certainly more curious and constantly buying so many things that they're becoming torn between collecting and reenacting. There seems to be some seriously enthusiastic new reenactors, and that's great, but there are also some who attempt so many various depictions that are so specialized or unusual that there's a lack of consistency to maintain dedicated or larger groups. In a nutshell, they float in and out of depictions, and there are more and more reenactors becoming simply walkabout displays. There are still some major groups who still put on fantastic displays, but they're becoming fewer and not lasting as long. Internal politics don't always help. I've run my group, Ham and Jam, for 20 years now, and found it so much harder now to maintain the group to the point where it's simply me on my own now. Not great for a Vickers machine gun depiction. I'm now relying more and more on collaborating with other individuals and smaller groups just to get a decent display put together for public events. Just my personal observation from this side of the pond. I mean, again, I feel like it's definitely some of those things are very specific to the United Kingdom, but I feel like a lot of those things I relate to here in America, and I'm sure other people in other countries will also be able to relate to. Like, I also definitely see what he's talking about, about... uh, there being sort of a trend amongst particularly younger people with the availability of reproductions to want to portray everything or do these like very specialized roles. And I myself was even guilty of this when I was a younger reenactor. I wanted to portray everything. If I had an interest in something, I wanted to build an impression around it. And I mean, I've learned with experience that that's that can be a bit of a frivolous uh, expenditure of money because you can only do so much with your time, even if money is no object. We talked about that on the Patreon episode this month where we were talking about other time periods that we might be interested in reenacting and um, this sort of belief that I think some people have where if you have a keen interest in something that the way to interact with that historical time is to reenact it. And you know, maybe there's not actually a scene for that. Maybe there's not an event for that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you can think the Reichswehr is really, really, really cool, but then, I don't know, I mean, I feel like the world over, it, it would be, it would be, you would be hard-pressed to get 20 people to do a Reichswehr impression, and that some people will have to fly from a great distance, you know, so you might, one might have to ask oneself, is it worth it to do like a, a train, like a 1928 training event? Yeah, Lee Perry, who made that comment, he's in the UK, but what he's describing about uh, people doing so many specialized and unusual uh, impressions that it detracts from the larger units and larger displays, I see that 100%, no question, in the yeah. United States and yeah. New England. For for the first many years of reenacting, it's like when I think back to how things used to be when kit was generally harder to get or more... Uh, expensive and there wasn't as much information out there it's like okay this guy does this impression this guy does this impression i do this impression and from year to year at the same displays it was the same people doing the same impressions you know and now it's like i go to an event one year and i see a guy doing um japanese and then at the next event he's doing you know bulgarian uh postal police and then at the next event he's doing you know a boot maker from, uh, 
you know, the Amazon river basin or whatever the heck it is. You <laughs> yeah. know? And that's, that's like a way that you can reenact and that's cool for them. And I like to see people doing things they're passionate about, but it makes it hard to get together a big group of people. I agree. I agree. And also I feel like if you're doing something that's so niche, um, at least some people I've seen, they're doing some really, really, really niche impression. And Nobody can really call them out on if it's authentic or not because it's something that maybe nobody really knows much about. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So, yeah. All right, Grafreiter Euler. I'm happy with the current state of the hobby. I'm still getting out to events and spending time with friends, which is the most important thing for me. The mainstream side of the hobby is doing well in the Pennsylvania area. I'd like to see a more dedicated immersion events. However, there seems to be a cultural issue regarding immersion events where they're hyped up online but always fail, fail to deliver both to the coordinators and participants. I hope to see more quality immersion events going forward. I know many people are experiencing major hobby burnout due to a variety of reasons. It is not because I have unrealistic expectations for the hobby. I hope we can continue to grow and develop the hobby because I truly enjoy World War II reenacting. I think that's a great comment, and I have also seen the same thing um, at times with some events that don't uh, kind of give you what they've built that they give you. Yeah. Uh, not all events, certainly, but it is definitely something that happens. Um, his last point about having realistic expectations, I think, is so important and valuable. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, Definitely seen events that, have, that that are hyped up, that they're going to have the best things to send sliced bread. And maybe in the eyes of the coordinator, this thing is going to be. Like, I get people get invested in the thing that they're promoting. But then I think you have to kind of take yourself away if you're trying to promote an event from your personal grandiose vision and maybe try to see it through the eyes of somebody else who, who is coming in, which I get is hard. To me, the main thing is... Um, not to overpromise and underdeliver. Yeah, you know, make the expectations clear. And as a reenactor, you need to understand that your expectations have to be reasonable. You're not actually going back in time. It's a reenactment, and yeah. it's going to have limitations. Yeah, and you're going to have to. It's not going to be. Nothing's going to go 100 percent perfect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what is that? I mean expression from the military no plan survives first contact with the enemy i feel like no reenactment survives first contact with reenactors you know <laughs> if i'm not mistaken i think that i always see you putting in the group uh, ask your unit and i think some people take it hard but i mean it's the truth right i think that female reenacting is still sort of in its embryonic stage but i do think that there is room to grow a lot of reenactors probably had like some sort of burnout maybe from like years past. It sucks, but it was a pretty good pause for everyone to kind of like regroup and like kind of like a really nice refresh to get back out there. The Reenactors Corner, bringing history to life. All right. So thanks to everybody who chimed in with feedback and input on this. Um, I thought it was really cool going through all of the different comments and considering all the perspectives from different people all over the world. Yeah, it's really funny to see, you know, what's different, but also what's the same. And I feel like there was more the same than, than different. Um, and also it's it's uplifting to hear other people who, you know, do have different perspectives, but, you know, that it's 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 good to get some injection of you know positivity from other parts of the world. Looking back at all of these, kind of in the aggregate, I see a lot of 
um, understanding and awareness of challenges that we face, but also ideas for how to conquer those challenges and optimism for going forward. Yeah, and that's energizing for me. Sure, for me as well. Uh, so thanks again to everyone who who responded to our appeal for um, your thoughts. And uh, don't forget, we're doing a giveaway. So if you want to have a chance to win a $50 gift certificate to Kelly's Military, um, you've just got to sign up to support us via Patreon. And to those of you who are already supporting us via Patreon, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And we couldn't do it without your help. Yeah, thank you all, and uh, see you in the field. Okay, see you in the field. We love hearing what you think about the podcast, so why not let us know by reaching out in all the usual places, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for The Reenactors Corner, and you'll find us there. And maybe think about supporting us via Patreon. No matter how big or small, your monthly donations make a huge difference and as ever, thanks to Mike, a.k.a. Retro Man, for editing the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll join us here again at the Reenactors Corner. Reenactors Corner.